I'm doing what I love most. I love teaching the Bible. I love coming here and downloading it to you. I work really hard during the week to bring you something fresh so I'm not stealing other messages or borrowing. I'm digging it out because I want you to have the uncompromised Word of God. I want you to grow from it. I want you to be able to give a defense of the faith. So we're seven weeks in to a topic that I think is very appropriate for today because it ultimately touches your future. It touches what's awaiting you in your future, much more accurate than a horoscope, much more accurate than tarot cards or however you think your future may look. Jesus jumps in. This has been our teaching. As we get ready to go through today, I'm about three or four weeks away from landing the plane on Noah, and we're going to pick this topic up. We're going to talk about Adam, the first man. In a lot of my teaching on Noah, I've been referring back to Adam. I've been referring to my Genesis teachings and saying, watch or listen. But what I'm going to do is take us all the way back, and we're going to pick up the first man that's ever been created in the weeks ahead. And we're going to find out where did T-Rex go? Where are the dinosaurs? How old are humans? Is evolution true? Are we young earth? Are we old earth? What is it? What are we about? What are humans about? Why is there so much evil? If God is so good, then why? And we're going to, we're going to learn about the first human ever on the planet, and we all came from him. And if you want to know the marvel, just look around the room right now. Every one of you are from the seed of this fellow right here. And that means that had a lot of DNA in it that could create a motley crew of us, right? Fat people, skinny people, happy people, mad people, all from this guy. It's going to be a good study. It'll challenge you. I believe you'll grow from it. Let's jump into Noah, though. Here's our text. Matthew 24, verse 37. When the Son of Man, that's Jesus, returns, it will be like it was in Noah's day. This is what we've been talking about for seven weeks. This period of time called Noah's day from 1056, that's from Adam, till 1656, that's the flood. And Jesus picks up this topic of the days of Noah. And it's been our whole last six weeks. We've talked about why. Why would he pick this moment of time? Why would Jesus, who lived 33 years, pick up something that happened thousands of years in his past to intimate the exact way it would be thousand years to his future? And what we've said all along is that Jesus picked a story to tell you your future. You don't have to be shocked about your future. You can know what it's going to be, what it will be like. He even stated, it will be like this when I come back in the future. So we would just basically have to be dumb people to not know. All we need to do is study, pull it out, and go, why? And the question has always been, why did Jesus pick this person? And for six weeks, I've tried to show you why I think he picked Noah instead of Daniel or Samson or whoever. He chose Noah, very specific reasonings why he would pick Noah. But this archaic historical figure is going to be transferred into my future. And so that I'll be able to say my generation will be distinctly like that. And it intrigues me such that Jesus would do it, that it makes me want to go figure out what is going on. And that's been the six weeks. This jumps into week seven. I pray it blesses you. And I pray it inspires you to what I think we're up against today. As we go through this, <clears throat> this is what... Jesus will say in the next verse of Matthew 24. He says, For as, verse 38, for as in the days before the flood, they, the people of the day, in Noah's day, they were eating and drinking, marrying and giving in marriage until the day Noah entered the ark. And they did not know until the flood came and took them all away. And then Jesus links up this future thing so it will be at the coming of the Son of Man. Now in that story, there's not much dirt and detail given. Jesus does not say that uh, they were running around naked, they were addicted, they, and pick up all the evil. If you read the story from Genesis, you kind of get that. That God shows up and goes, wow, how evil this culture is. It's so evil, it repents me, I've even made them. And then God floods the earth. But when Jesus tells the story... Jesus doesn't talk about all the evil. Jesus talks about something that's very interesting because He picks up this thought 
And the thought that he picks up is this thing of eating and drinking. And that doesn't even sound evil. It's not even anything that really would concern us because why would I care what they eat? How could what they eat and drink even remotely mean? They didn't have Pop-Tarts back here. They didn't have chicken wings and chicken nuggets and Zaxby's and Krispy Kreme. So why would Jesus even care to mention? That's every gener- every culture eats and drinks. There's nothing special about eating and drinking that Jesus would say, hey, this group of people right before the flood, you want to tell you what they were doing? He didn't say they were carousing around, sleeping with people, perverted, you know, all the perversions of evil. He said, oh, let me tell you about they were eating and drinking. They were marrying and giving in marriage, so they were partying and going to weddings. And then the flood got them all. And on a surface level, you just read verse 39 and keep going. But it intrigued me to think, why why would he care to mention that? That that means nothing to me. What do they eat? Lying? If he would have told me what they ate, that would have been better. Hey, they were eating zebra. They were eating meerkats. But not just, just a very blanket eating and drinking. So that intrigued me. And so for about two or three weeks, I've just been thinking about that. Like, why does that matter? Why would I care? And what does this have to do with my future? Because I can't fathom anything they ate and drank then would even remotely transfer to my generation. We're all processed food and box food today. And I don't think they had all that then. But nevertheless, okay, Jesus, what are you doing? So in my thinking, I begin to dig. And in the digging out, something started becoming clear to me. As I parse, now when I say dig out, I typically don't just dig in a verse or a chapter. I dig all 66 books. Because my belief is every story is always connected to another story that connects to another story that goes back to the same story, which is Jesus. They all intertwine each other. So if you've been here long enough, you know me. If I'm ever stumped in my stumpness, I go to the book of Genesis and start there. It's always easier to go one plus one equals two than over here the square root of pi cosine over whatever tangent equals this. That's out of my league. So when I don't know this 2023 and I can't figure Mark out, I can't figure out what's going on, Mark will always come back to Genesis, which I know seems archaic, the Bible. But I'll begin to study because I believe out of this story of Adam comes the root of all problems. And out of this story of Adam comes the solution to all problems. So I have the root of all problems and the solution to all problems. So I went back and this is what I found out about this eating and drinking. The very first sin was eating. Come on. Let's not make this too hard. The very first sin was not porn. It wasn't cheating. It wasn't murder. It wasn't some side chick. The very first sin was not fornication before marriage. There was nobody there. They were just two. There was nobody to be bitter at. It was just a man and a woman. The very first sin of humankind that brought all other sins to the greatest of every sin we could imagine came because a woman and a man went... and ate... So the moment Jesus says here, they were eating here and drinking and then this disaster, I need to come back and go, well, it seems like long before Noah, we had an eating problem. The problem has always been about eating. That's why some of you are frustrated right now. I can't lose this last five. The problem has never been the murders and the stealing and the thievery. Our problem from the beginning has been somebody bit. Now, here's how powerful that is. It's so powerful that everything to come will always connect back to the eating. So that by the time I get over here and start reading James, James will say things like this, your mouth is full of poison. Your words have the power of either life or death. For you to be born again, you must confess with your... Do you see? Because the moment she bit and he bit and they started chewing, that rebellion hit the tongue. 
Before it ever went to the belly, it hit the mouth first. And that tongue started chewing and tasting rebellion. So that every human that's birthed from that human will always have something in them that wants to taste rebellion. We're addicted to that. That's why you can have a child and by the time they're two, you will think they must be kin to Satan. Where did they learn that from? How did they learn no? I have never used the word no. I I birthed this child saying I will never spank. I lied. I will spank them. The reason you don't spank them, they're not three yet. Have you ever met a three-year-old? You don't even have to teach them to be rude. They'll just walk right up to you, look at you, and go, you're fat. Like, what? Me? They don't care. I, I used to be a children's pastor years and years and years ago. That's how I first started. And I was playing my guitar, just singing, sweating in front of all these old kids. This little kid walked up after. He said, you sing terrible. <laughs> I, I would probably, if I was a children's pastor today, I'd be in prison. <laughs> Another little kid walks up to me. Children church, just children, just a kid, just walks up out of nowhere and just kicks me as hard as he can in the shin. I'm not even a cusser. And when he kicked me, I cussed in my head. I was like, that hurt. And then I had a thought, I can kill this kid. <laughs> I literally thought, I'm going to kill somebody else's child. Now, all that came because the moment a human ate and started chewing, the mouth, the lips become cursed. It's why you must confess. It's why bitterness can come out of your mouth. Sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will kill you. They will kill you. Somebody can say something out of this poisonous place called the mouth and it will destroy you. You can't get the words out of your head. I don't love you anymore. Those words just eat away. But it gets worse because that chewing of rebellion went across the lips. It must be purified. Romans will say this. Their mouth is an open grave. Their tongue is like that of a poisonous viper. You see, now that I I can understand New Testament things because I understand eating, why would my mouth be like a viper because of the eating of poison back here? Why would my tongue need to be purified because of the eating of the poison? Why do I have to confess with my mouth to be saved because the poison was eaten first? It had to go through the mouth before it ever went to the soul. And then once the... Food. This is not science 101, but it goes into the gut. And in the gut, the gut begins to do what it was designed to do, which is what? Breaks it all down and distributes the nutrients to the different parts of the body, to the kidneys, to the muscles, to the liver, to the heart, to the lungs, to the brain. Everything gets distributed. So what happens the moment she bites and eats, that rebellion gets distributed to all parts of the body. The eyes become perverted. The ears become darkened. The mind becomes darkened. Everything begins to become dark. It's why he said, for a light is trying to shine in the middle of darkness. It's why your mind has to be renewed. Your mind doesn't need to be renewed because you listen to Fox News or CNN. It needs to be renewed because it got perverted the moment they ate the rebellion. And the rebellion went through all of the body. It went to the bones. It's why it says that bitterness will rot you to the bones. It went to the heart, which is why the heart can be deceitful over everything. It impacted the entirety of humanity off of one thing, bite, chew, swallow, ruined. It's why Jesus says you must be born again. Why? Because I can't just go in and give you, I have to change everything about you. So when we come to Noah, and Jesus says, well, they were eating and drinking. What we do to draw the parallel between the two is it's pretty simple. This tree was rebellion and they ate it. But according to the story, about a half a block away was another tree called the tree of life. As a matter of fact, the Bible says God put both trees in the middle of the garden so we could speculate that as they're sitting here pulling this one of rebellion, about another arm's length away over here is life. In other words, life was right under their mouth. What does Romans say? For it is near you. It is in your mouth. It was that far away from you, Adam. And yet you chose this, Adam. And life was about a half a foot away. All you had to do was grab that one and eat, but you didn't. 
So what I take away from Adam, his life was at his fingertips, but he rejected it. The tree was clear. God said, that is a tree of life. There was no speculation there. You didn't have to go, I wonder if that's the tree. He told him it was the tree. So when he comes to Noah and Jesus here states, well, they were eating and drinking before the flood took them all away. So perhaps what Jesus is alluding to is, well, they themselves were living a rebellious life and right under their nose, a guy is building a boat. Right under their nose is life. Right around the block is a dude building the boat, but nobody wants to admit what's going on with the boat. Nobody wants to admit when they walk past Third Street, that weird guy building the boat, and every time they walk by, it's a little higher. It's like God going, hey, life is here. And they come back next week, and it's about three sticks higher. Hey, hey, life is here. And they just keep walking on by, partying, eating and drinking, enjoying in life. Maybe what Jesus is trying to intimate is that the eating and the drinking is nothing more than a fleshly way to ignore the life of God that he's offering you. We get sidetracked by other things so that both of the distinctions of rebellion, Adam and Noah, where both were judged distinctly, involved eating. It involved it right under your nose, but you missed it. I told you what to pick here, and I put an ark in front of you here. You get on this, you live. I can't, I, I got, man, I got things to do. But here's the thing. My belief is it's always been about eating and drinking. Always. If we make it about anything else, we miss the whole scope of what's going on. If you want to think about this a moment... By the time this motley crew gets off the boat and gets into the wilderness, it was about eating and drinking. For you must drink from this rock, and you will speak to the rock. But when, when Moses decided, I don't want to speak to the rock, I want to spank it with a stick, God's like, eh, you're not getting in. Why? Because you struck the rock, and the rock was about drinking of the life of God, and you will never strike the life of God. You're out of here. Oh, man, that seems harsh. <laughs> but even the food they ate, the manna that they ate for 40 years, he said, the food that I have given you, it's so that you can know one thing. Man never lives by bread alone, but by every word of God. Suddenly I realized that, that man lives by the word of God here. Man lives by the word of God here. And God tries to make it clear. And they snub their nose at the word of God. Moses snubbed his nose. God, God said, no, speak to it. And he said, I don't want to speak to it. I'm angry. I'm going to strike it. God's like, nah, you can't do that, bro. No, I, I, listen, I love you, man, but no, nah, no, nah, we're not going to talk that. But then by the time you get to Jesus, it's still about eating and drinking. The very first temptation. Come on, bro. You know you're hungry. Come on, bro. You hadn't eaten for 40 days, bro. You know you're hungry, Eleven. said, come on. Take that voice of yours and turn that rock into bread. Why would that even matter? Why would the first temptation of Jesus be about eating? Because the first temptation of humans was about eating. You think Lucifer's going to change on you? I took the first Adam out. I'm going to take the last Adam out the same way, bro. You know you're hungry. Come on, just eat. Just eat. So this time it's not fruit, man. It's a rock. And this time it's not connected to lust. It's connected to your power. If you really are the son of God, turn it into... Come on, you know. And Jesus is like, uh, bro. I don't know if he called him bro, but that, that felt good. Bro. <laughs> That's a deep dive down the well. Listen, I'm not going to do that. It is written. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. It's always been about eating. And here we sit today. You want me to tell you what it's about today? Eating. That was redneck with no G. Eating. Keto diet, paleo diet, Mediterranean diet, 
Just salt diet, just a lime diet, just meat and salt, baby, meat and salt. No, not meat and salt. No, it's like everywhere we look is, is a driven generation in America of, of thinking that there's life somewhere else in this god-awful place that we're looking for. Constantly trying to sell the food, constantly trying to sell the product, constantly trying to make it. We will sit there and post pictures about our food. Oh my God, this dessert. You'll just set it right. Like I care if you're eating it or not, but it feels good to let the world know that, that this tiramisu, woo, baby. Oh, I scooted over a little bit more. Robin, I want to get that tiramisu just right. And I'll move over. I don't want to get you in it because you won't like that. Pow, tiramisu. Now, honey, just sit there a minute. You look beautiful, but I got to promote. I got to promo tiramisu, baby. The world needs to know about the tiramisu. And I sit on a date with my wife and the tiramisu picture on Instagram has just swamped my mind. I've got to let everybody know the world that I live in. I, I do my food. It's, it's everywhere. You can lose five. You can lose ten. You can get on this diet, another diet, another drink. Did you all know about this water? Oh, this water is not an ordinary water. This water is $900 water. It is infused. It's not normal water. Not tap water. It hasn't got fluoride in it. It's infused. You drink this water, it will go down into your cells and it rejuvenate. It has minerals, 90 minerals infused. It has color in it. And if you open it and drink it, your life will never be the same. And so I buy that $9 bottle and I drink it. And it just, that blame tastes like water. <laughs> I don't feel any different. You try every diet. Folks, let's don't, let's don't kid ourselves that we're a nation consumed with food and eating and drinking. Consumed with it. Spend more time wondering about whether I can have protein or carbs. More time wondering what new product that I can grab a hold of to sell to finally get out of debt. And the whole time life is screaming from the insides of you. There is something in you bigger than all of this that gets shoved away while I talk about all the other meaningful things. I shove away the tree of life. I shove away the ark because there's just things I need to do in my life. It's always been about eating. Jesus will say this. And anytime he starts with, I tell you the truth, it's interesting. That the truth guy would have to start with, I tell you the truth. John chapter 6. Now this is interesting. To know what's going on here, Jesus has performed some miracles. He's wowed the crowds. He's walked on His water. He's, he's, he's healed deaf people, blind people, mental people. He's grown arms back. I mean, He's just done His magic, right? He's, everybody's buzzing. This guy is just off the charts incredible. He went viral. He went from backwoods Galilee to viral. Everybody in the region is hearing about the guy. His Instagram is blowing up. His video went viral. Millions of views. He shows up on a hillside and all of his following like a Taylor Swift concert has shown up. And he's on the hillside where the story goes about 6,000 plus or more people on the hillside. So that's a pretty good following in a few years, especially with no Facebook, no way to tell anybody where you are. Nobody can tweet, hey, he's over here. You just kind of get word of mouth that he's going to be on that hill and you, you show up on the hill. Everybody's buzzing. The disciples are buzzing like, this is amazing. We're, we're going to take over Rome here. That's what they're thinking. They're thinking, we're going to take Caesar over. Jews are going to rule the world. This is the Messiah. This is the King of Kings, baby. 6,000 armies strong. Dear Lord, what can we do with 6,000 people? This is a moment of all moments, I'm sure. I'm just thinking out here. His 12 brought him back and said, hey, listen, before you go out, we think you should take up an offering. There's 6,000 people out there. Just do a blanket offering, just a seed offering. Just, hey, plant a seed. What could we do with 6,000 people giving us an offering? 
This is a prime opportunity to expand. This is a prime opportunity to say, anybody want to follow us needs to take our 101 class and become part of the class. No. Jesus steps up on the hillside. Hey, I want to tell you all the truth. Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you cannot have life in you. And I'd be thinking, that's not the message. Don't say that to a Jew. That to, for a Jew to drink blood, they're automatically disqualified. What lunacy? What are you smoking here? Eat your flesh? If my mother had have been there that day with me in tow, and Jesus would have said, Anyone here? Won't lie, must eat my flesh and drink my blood. My mother would have said, we're getting out of here. That's evil. <laughs> that is demonic. We will not eat another human. The Bible's clear on that. Moses said we should not eat flesh or drink blood, anything in it. He doesn't even know the law. Let's go. And don't any of you act godly. I don't know any of you here that would follow some dude going, look, I, the, the religion is you just got to take a chunk of my flesh with you. Like, dude, that's David Koresh kind of stuff. Oh, you're all, we're all godly now that we know the story. But Jesus is going to do something to blow their mind. It's not about whether you're addicted to porn or who you're sleeping with or what you do or all the bad things you do. I'm going to go back to the thing it's always been. What you eat and what you drink has been the problem from the beginning of time. So let's get to the root of the problem. If you want life, you must eat of me and drink of me. How do you feel about that? And then backs off. And, as any great sermon... They all left. <laughs> he would never be invited back. The, the story says in John 6 that all 6,000 of them. Peace out, baby. That bros of the devil. And they left. Do you know the 12 that stayed with him are like, God, that sermon, don't trash that one, man. Don't use that one again. We're going to have to go to another town now. Oh, man. Right when I was getting hopeful. Jesus turns to the twelve. Hey, you guys want to go too? Because if you think this is about you, there's the door. Get and go. Peter stands up and says, Lord, we have not where to go, for thine has the words of life. What? In that moment of eat my flesh and drink, they could get offended. And Peter says, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. We're going nowhere. Because Peter grabbed a hold of it. If it's about eating and drinking, I choose the tree of life. And I believe that is you. I'm not walking off the hill with their wisdom. I'm going to hold on. I'm not going good and evil here. I'm holding on to life. So Jesus steps out and he brings the truth back. Let me dig it a little deeper for you. He meets a woman at a well. She's been married five times. Oh, he doesn't toss her under the bridge. Listen, why don't you go to therapy? You've had five women, five husbands. It'd probably help you to go to therapy. I imagine the husbands you've been married to wish you would go to therapy. Here's a great book on how to have a happy marriage. Do you know what he tells her? He says, I, I need a drink of water. Water? What, what are you talking about water for? Why are we here at a well? Because it's always been about eating and drinking, honey. And I'm here to let you know that you can drink of living water. And I am he that's talking to you. And right now, the five fellas you have, the one you're with ain't even your husband. Anyway, I'm about to rock your world. If you will drink from the living water, you will never thirst again. You see, even now, his stories begin to make sense. Because he's bringing us back. It's always been about eating and drinking. 
This is why you must eat of my flesh and drink of my blood because even back there in the garden, it was about eating and they rebelled. And when Noah was building his boat, it was about eating and drinking and they rebelled. And now I'm on the scene to just go, I tried to trust you humans and I'm here to just become one of you to tell me you better eat my flesh. So what does that mean for me? Is it just a gospel story? Well, the reason he picks eating and drinking is because the eating is about an eternal source. Meaning before he returns, everything will be pulling to get you, Davis, to make you to try to trust everything else but the eternal source. He will have you chasing women, jobs, money, fame, everything, his generation. He will have you chasing other women, uh, another husband, another wife, another job, another house, another... Because the lie is, is that everything external will meet my need. Uh, it's, it's the new business. It's the new house. It's the new husband. It's the new life. It's the promise of something. Everything external. Everything external to bless me. And he said, no, 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 no. Right before I come, you need to know that all the external things will be screaming, but there is an eternal source. Amen. It's beyond anything the world could offer you, Mark. There is an eternal source, Mark, when you tap into it, no weapon formed against you will prosper. When you tap into that eternal source, you don't have to lay awake at night wondering about your future and what's going to happen. You won't get sidetracked with every new little wave that comes along, driven by every wind of doctrine that comes, looking for a happiness, looking for more money, looking for whatever. Because the first is, I have an eternal source. It's why Adam ate. They had an eternal source about a half a foot away, but he didn't want that one. He wanted his fleshly source. He wanted his own way. He wanted his stuff. And he wanted to eat this tree and then obligate God to bless him. Listen, I want to live my life, but I'd love you to bless me anyway. So I'm just going to fornicate, do all the things I do. But I do want to throw back to you that I trust you and I just want you to bless me. And he's like, no, Mark, that ain't the way this game works. You either eat my flesh and drink my blood or, or, or we're on two different pages here, son. And there's a lot of Christians that are living life asking God to bless all the external sources. Bless my business, bless my home, bless my car, bless my education, bless my debt, bless my credit cards, bless everything. And not understanding that the true source of blessing comes from eternal realm that goes down within you. Jesus goes on to say this. This is interesting. Verse 55 of John 6. For my flesh is true food and my blood is true drink. Could that mean all the way back here at this tree that when it says this is the tree of life and Jesus says that, that my flesh is the true food? That my blood is the true drink? He goes on to say this. And anyone who eats my flesh and drinks my blood, I love this line, he remains in me and I in him. Amen. The eating is about a life within you. Come on, if, if you're a Christian, come on, I need somebody to get excited. If you're a Christian, the life of God Almighty dwells within you. Oh, come on, greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. I have the power of God on the inside of me. I've been seated in heavenly places. I am beside the Son of God in the heavenly realm. All of the angels are given to my bidding to minister to me. I have power in my mouth because I have life in me. So when life comes in me and my mouth begins to speak, life comes out of my mouth and my words begin to direct the course of my life. And I say, I will live a blessed life. I'm high favored. I'm an overcomer. No weapon formed against me will prosper. No darkness can have my children. No darkness can have my grandchildren. No evil can come nigh my dwelling. A thousand may fall at my side. Ten thousand the other way. But it will not come against me. I will not fear of the pestilence by day or the noise of pestilence by night. Not because I'm somebody special but because of a life that's in me. What do you mean? I mean, I ate of the Son of God. 
I mean, I dipped my life into his flesh. I mean, I came under the blood that was poured over me. And by the blood of Jesus, oh, come on, somebody. There is power, power, wonder working. Like there's power in the blood of Jesus Christ. And we're all over here being victims. We're all over here being weak. Crying over our salad because the dressing was bad. Mad because I didn't like my dessert. Mad because I'm not making enough money. Nobody ever calls me. Nobody ever checks on me. Okay, great. There's a life within you. I don't know what Jesus would do because I hope I'd I'd be able to stay, but I always give myself a little grace and try fair at the same time. A little grace, I think I would have stayed on the hillside, but reality is I would have left. I give myself a little grace and if he said, Mark, there's the door. You want to leave? I'd be like, let me think about it. Like, I'd be fair. I want to think about this. But I hope I would say, no, you have life. But are you convinced yet? Are you convinced yet? Are you still getting tripped up and pouty? Are you still waking up going, I'm just so tired today. I don't know if I can go to the house of God. My lower back hurts. Okay. Get up and get busy about the kingdom. There is a life within you. And what I read about that life within me is that though my outward body is wasting away, inwardly I get stronger day by day. For there is a power that works within me that no man knoweth not of but he himself. And that power talks with me and walks with me and breathes with me and moves with me. He tells me when to turn right. He tells me when to turn left. A power within Have you eaten of that yet? Have you eaten of that yet? Because that will convince people. If we posted your life like we did the tiramisu, would anybody care? Would they say of you, Davis, why are you so different now? Or would they say you're just like everybody else? Charity, would they say of you, honey, you're so different? Or would they say you're just like everybody else? Like, what would they say? What would they say of me? Mark, you're just like everybody else. You're no different. Well, wait a minute. I go to church. But is there life within you? That's what this is about. Yes, life sucks. Yes, it's hard sometimes. Yes, things don't always go your way. Yes, there's bad doctor's reports. And yes, there's people on 285 that need to be lit on fire. (laughs) From hell. Not heaven, hell. I don't even want to pray for them. But I have to live like life is within me. And if no life is within me, then every little nitpick of hell frustrates me. Every little thing that goes wrong, I'm having to lay in bed and suck my thumb. But if life is within me, I just dust myself off. I pick myself up. Oh, he ain't done with me yet. If I'm still breathing, there's still hope. If I still have breath in me, there's still hope. I'm not, Lenore Ball, don't you dare give up. Brian, don't you dare. If there's breath in your body, keep praising the Lord. Stephanie Garth, keep praising the Lord. Don't you ever give up breath and dung. Keep praising the Lord. As long as there's breath in you, I will praise the Lord. Bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name and forget not all of his benefits who crowns me with loving kindness and tender mercy. Glory to God. I'm tired of a little panty-waisted Christianity. I don't want a Christianity that pouts and has no power. If I wanted that, I'd go sign up for the Lions Club. You are the sons and daughters of the Most High God. My Lord, dust yourself off. The King of Glory, when they stoned Stephen, the King of Glory got up off the throne and was standing in glory while they killed one of his sons. Standing, what are you, dear, he stood up for you. Whew. Oh, come on. I got to slow myself down. I need an inhaler. (laughs) Hey, you think I'm preaching to you. I'm preaching to me. I 
want to be this way. Sometimes life kicks you and it's hard and you do pout. I don't want to be that way. If I believe it, I want to believe it all the way. And if everybody else walks off the hillside, I want to raise my hand and go, oh, count me in. I ain't going nowhere. Hey, look, I know there's only 12 of us right now, but I'm willing to pick up a sword in your name. I just want you to know that. Like that's the way I want to be. I think there's a lot of people that want to be that way. They're looking for life. They're looking for it everywhere else, and you have it. You have what the world is looking for. Oh, man. But, but I'm all caught up in what gym I go to and what food I eat and what girlfriend I date and how many people snap me, how long I've been left open on snap, and how many people like my Instagram while I possess the life of God. And what value is there in fighting wild beasts, Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15? These people are of Ephesus. If there will be no resurrection from the dead, oh, listen to this, he picks up eating and drinking. And if there's no resurrection, let's just eat and drink because tomorrow we're done. Like he even picks up the theme of eating and drinking. If there's no resurrection, eating and drinking is a good option. Just enjoy life. But if there is a resurrection, there's something far more powerful than just waking up, eating and drinking and dying. You possess that life of God. You possess resurrection power. Oh, come on. I'm going to endue you with a power from on high. And you will be my witnesses into Jerusalem, Judea, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. When was the last time you woke up and thought, I've got power today? When was the last time you looked at a problem and said, you better get behind me, Satan. Your Lord, you, 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 you're messing with the wrong kid. I'm not, no, no, I'm not talking about that kid. I'm talking about the power within me, kid. I'm talking about the Bart that's about to put on a cape and come out against your kingdom because I know who you are. You are a murderer and you're of your father, the devil, but I possess greater power on the inside of me. I have a power you know not of. And yet I get sidetracked by problems. I get sidetracked by my emotions. My kids are flunking school. I was flunking school. You know what she did? She brought me in there. She sat me down. She said, you can't do English, huh? No. You know what she did? She opened the Bible, made me read Daniel, told me Daniel was 10 times wiser because he served God. Said, get up and go serve God. If you'll serve God, he'll make you 10 times wiser. I thought, that's the dumbest woman ever. You, you can't pass school talking about Daniel. Daniel purpose in his heart to serve God. I'm flunking school, Mom. And you want to talk about Daniel serving God. Well, she was absolutely right. Because what she was going to teach me is if you're born again and you seek the kingdom of God first, he says, I will add all things to you. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And he will add all things to you. Anybody want to know what all is? Biology 101. English 101. All things he will add to you. Graduated with honors. Now, I don't, I don't highly recommend that to a lot of people. But thank God I was raised in a home that taught me about resurrection power. Hey, Dad, where are you going? The dishwasher quit working. Well, what are you going to do? I'm going to anoint it with oil and lay hands on it and command it to work. My God, what kind of... This is dumb. What do you mean lay hands on the dishwasher and anoint it with oil? My dad goes in there and he takes a bottle of anointing oil and he anoints the dishwasher with oil. And he stands back and says, I command you to work in the name of Jesus. And the dishwasher starts working. All things, if you seek me, will work. Things are your are your pets sick? Walk in there and look at that dog. In the name of Jesus Christ, you live in a righteous home. Now get up, you little sick thing, and you begin to live like a righteous dog. And then lay hands on it, see if it speaks in tongues. It actually meowed. Like meow, like oh, you got it. (laughs) Do you have this? I'm not going to judge you. I'm judging myself. Do you have resurrection power? 
Well, how would I know? I'll tell you how you know. Just be about 10 minutes late for a meeting and see how quick your flesh rises. If your flesh is coming to the top of the crop too often, you probably don't know resurrection power. I live, Jesus said in verse 57 of John 6, I live because of the living Father who sent me. And in the same way, come on somebody. Like he's in the same way that I live, anybody that feeds on me will live because of me. The eating is about feeding on Jesus. Bow your heads if you will. I want to ask you a question. I don't know your personal lives. I don't know your private lives. A lot of my life is just trying myself to keep moving, keep serving, stay in the game and don't quit. There have been times I wanted to lay the sword down. There have been times I wondered where God was. There have been times I wondered if He even cared. There have been times I've prayed prayers that I wondered if He even heard me. There have been times I've had my feelings hurt. There have been times I've lived fleshly. There have been times I've had sinful behaviors. There have been times I've cried because I disappointed Him. There have been times I've tried to get over addictive behavior and I've seemed like the addictive behavior would win over and over. There have been times best friends have died. There have been times loved ones have died. There have been times friends have gone and friends have come. There's been times I felt like nobody cared. There have been times I've asked myself, is it really worth it? There have been times I wondered, would me and Robin leave a good legacy behind? Would my children serve him? I'm here to tell you in 2023, I don't know what Noah was doing in his generation, but my God, I want to be dragging gopher trees, building a boat in mine. I don't know what the disciples were doing with Jesus every day, but dear Lord, I want to raise my hand and go, I'm not going anywhere. I'm not throwing in the towel. I want to be that generation. I want to be the generation that says, I feed on Jesus. I know that sounds so archaic. I'm not looking for anything else to meet my needs. I don't need money and jobs and fame and viral videos. I have tapped into the eternal source of God, the eternal source of joy, the eternal source of peace, the eternal source of hope. He is my provider. He is my... He's my healer. He's my peace giver. He's my reward. And one day, dear Christian, you will stand in front of him and you will have the honor of hearing him say, well done, good and faithful servant. Or you will stand in front of him and hear him say, who are you? I don't even know you. And all of that just depends on where you choose to eat. Yes, You can eat from your own sources and it's fun. It does feel good. Even the Bible says sin is pleasant for a little while. It kind of does feel good to rebel a little bit at times. It feels justifiable. It's almost like sometimes you you just kind of reward yourself with a little bit of behavior like that. If sin wasn't pleasant, it wouldn't appeal to anybody. So it is a battle to eat of your own lust and your own flesh and your own desires and your own ego and chase your own dreams and build your own mansions and get your bank accounts. And and yes, let God fix it all. Let Him get you out of debt. Let Him give you a house. Let Him help your business. But after He's done helping you, he, He sits you down in the living room and He says, Look, honey, I have something to ask you. Yeah, Lord, go ahead. What do you want? 
Listen, Mark, I, I gave you, you remember that car I gave you? Yeah, that's a great car. Thank you. You remember that house I helped you get you couldn't afford? Yeah, God. You remember how I helped you get your kids through college and get them married? I do, God. You remember all the times I healed you, son? Oh, Jesus, I got a litany of times you've shown up for me. Thank you, Jesus, Mark. You're welcome. But hey, son, before I leave, I wanted to ask a question of you, son. Sure, Lord, what do you want to ask me? Do you like all the things I did for you, son? Yes. I got one final question. Would you eat my flesh and would you drink my blood? Because that's what matters to me, son, is that you feed on me rather than me feeding you. You have spent your life, Mark, asking me to feed you, to meet your needs, to bless you, and to help you. And I have so enjoyed that. As a father, I have loved it. But I would be remiss as an eternal father not to say, but son, the real issue is do you feed on me? Because if you don't, son, there's, there's no joy, no life. So I ask you to be honest with yourself today. Today is, will you stop just asking Him to feed you, help you and bless you? And would you answer back, Oh God, may I die feeding on you. May I find my hope in you, my peace in you and my life in you. In just a moment, I'm going to release you to come take communion. My prayer today is that you will never see it again as a religious relic. This thing that Jesus broke and said, this is my body, eat it. This is my blood, drink it. So today in this religious uh, festival of a communion, we have an option and an opportunity to come and go when we dip that bread that is his body and i eat it and then when i dip it in the blood i drink his blood and the moment i do as strange as that sounds that that little piece of bread that was baked for you last night that juice that's on that bread when it touches your mouth it is connected to faith and that faith is connected to resurrection and that bread begins to go into the mouth and the tongue and down into your body and and suddenly, in a moment of just a religious tradition, life begins to ebb through your body because that bread and that wine is connected to resurrection power. Never look down your nose at it again. It is such a powerful thing of eating and drinking. This is your moment to profess your faith. I will eat of Jesus and I will drink of him every single day of my life. And I'm done chasing other sources for life. Would you stand with me, if you will?